Good afternoon and welcome. This is Lauren Spaniolo and this is Drishti Point on Co-op Radio, 102.7 FM CFRO. And that was uh, Theta Phoenix, who is uh, from Vancouver. You can log on to her site, thetaphoenix.com, for her music. Um, today, uh, my guest is an energy-intuitive uh, healer by the name of Marie Manucheri. She resides in Kirkland, Washington, however, um, uh, offers services um, internationally abroad, and her website is www.energyintuitive.com, a fascinating woman. Um, she is, uh, uh, apart from uh, an energy intuitive, she's a Reiki master and teacher, and I love this clairvoyant, clairsentient, clairaudient. I'd love to, I'm going to ask more about that. And... Um, Marie, thank you for uh, joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Okay. Beautiful music, too, opening the show. Oh, thank you. Um, so, Marie, I just want to start off by congratulating you um, on your first book that's going to be published with Sounds True. Oh, thank you. And <laughs> yes, it'll be released on March 1st. Okay, great. So... Marie, I always like starting off the program with, you know, uh, the curiosity and how people began their journey um, as a healer and, you know, how you'd like to start that off. I open the floor to you. Okay. <laughs> well, it definitely wasn't my plan um, of action. I um, was raised in a very holistic family and we rarely saw conventional practitioners most of our um, healthcare practitioners were either Chinese herbal medicine doctors or chiropractors, but um, only if the necessity required it. Um, my mother, who raised um, five of us pretty much alone, uh, kept us as natural and organic as she could. <laughs> and um, However, I didn't want to be exactly like my family. I thought my family was quite odd, <laughs> actually. And I guess I just didn't appreciate my roots as much. And I worked really hard to be normal. I married very young and um, put my husband through, my then husband through school. Um, 
he became an engineer, and he actually encouraged me to go to nursing school, which my family looked at me oddly. Bastyr University is like a quarter of a mile from the home I live in right now, and so it's very well known in this area. And um, that's, of course, if I was going to study medicine, what my family would want me to do. But instead, I um, studied conventional medicine. I absolutely loved all the sciences leading to um, my nursing school and uh, loved nursing school and loved being a nurse, actually. I ended up specializing, of all things, in oncology, which is also far away from my holistic roots, and loved every moment of it. And it was actually during um, my time working as an oncology nurse in Seattle, actually very close to my home in Kirkland, um, I began to see, see, hear, and feel energy. And I had never studied energy medicine somehow in all the spirituality that was in my family and all the books that were available to me that I read many of as a teenager somehow missed that piece. But um, my patience and very odd things that were floating around me and voices that I was starting to hear began to speak to me, and uh, I began to see and hear things. And um, I eventually went to my supervisor at work because uh, many times I worked on worked as an on-call charge nurse, and I was concerned that someone would code while I was on the floor, and I'd be watching these beautiful golden pyramid, pyramids that would float around me and buzz while I was throughout my day. And I was worried that I wouldn't respond appropriately or timely. And uh, I went to her office expecting to um, get a psych eval and to be suspended, because that's exactly what I would have done if I was a supervisor. And she surprised me and told me that she thought I was seeing energy. She actually said the word chakra and that I needed to lay my hands on her patients instead of my stethoscope. And um, I was quite surprised by what she said and uh, happily surprised but also confused. And it took me a few days to um, get the courage up to lay hands on someone with intention. I still had no idea what I was doing, but I couldn't stop thinking about what she said. And so I picked what I considered the healthiest person on the floor was actually a transfer from the surgical unit that was scheduled to go home. And um, the first time I laid hands on a person, this um, woman probably in her mid-50s, I saw the entire chakra system. I could actually hear melody. The organs actually spoke to me. And, of course, I've touched, you know, hundreds of people at that point in my life, just not with intention. And I cried, and I remember opening up my eyes because I used to work with my eyes closed only, and the patient was crying too, which made me um, feel like that we're, we were both experiencing something quite lovely. So that's how it all began for me, actually. Hmm. Um, what I find really interesting uh, is that you weren't aware, perhaps, if I could say it that way, of these gifts um, in, you know, in the presence of your home, like while you were being raised. And yet it yeah. ca- comes out in this form later on as an RN. <laughs> Well, when I, um, yeah, I was 37 years old when I first started to have multisensory experiences. And during that time, I would ask questions of my family because I was very open to my family about it, my family of origin. I didn't tell my um, then-husband anything about it for a long time. I was, um, you know, not sure what to say to him, and I was quite confused about it, although I was enjoying every moment of it. And my um, mother pointed out that my great-grandmother was a healer. She was a Cherokee Indian on my mother's side of the family. And when she moved off the reservation in Oklahoma, um, people would come to her home after she married, and uh, they would trade food or work on their farm um, for healings and herbs and things of that nature. And, and when she told me that, it, it kind of 
okay, there was some logic that I could put to it that, you know, that I was having these experiences. But then I had a memory of when I was about five, and I remember having maybe three or four girlfriends, little girlfriends in the house, and my parents were both students at the U, so we lived in student housing, so there was lots of kids everywhere. And I remember um, telling each of them about their family members, even family members I haven't met before, and I remember having a very strong intuitive response with them and that one particular day. So I think it's something that I repressed, that I somehow didn't allow myself to connect with. And um, I started to make some different life choices about my relationship with myself in my mid to late 30s, and I think that's what allowed it to um, come forward. Mm-hmm. What was the transition like between like your time as an RN and then you know, go, you know, really embracing your uh, role as a healer. I guess I want to know, actually, before you answer that question, is how long before did you give yourself, you know, before you, you know, started your own, you know, path there as a healer? It happened pretty quickly. I, I was so lucky. I think working in oncology, I think it was all meant to be all divinely planned. And I think as a healer, having medical knowledge is very helpful as I see patients from all walks of life and not just health issues, but certainly health issues as well, and I can relate to them. I've at least, you know, heard about their disease. I've heard about the medications they're on. I can, you know, give them questions to ask their physicians and also work on detoxifying certain things out of their body. But I was very um, fortunate. I was, after that first experience, it was so vivid and so shocking. It's almost like being on a discovery bus, you know, television program working in the body and seeing the energies and hearing what was going on that I immediately started laying my hands on all my patients and um, patients felt calmer more relaxed the pain would go away and so at times when I was busy and I wasn't planning to lay hands on a patient physicians would actually order me to they would literally write in the chart um, therapeutic touch which I have never studied (laughs) or they would make some comment that would you know um, that with a turn that they were aware of. And so actually the hospital basically began to um, become aware of what I was doing and would encourage me to do it. And, and then not long after that, maybe six, seven months, people started to show up at my house, actually. And I didn't even have a massage table. I had never studied any form of energy work. Um, and people would lay on my couch. And I, of course, would not charge them because I really didn't know exactly what I was doing. Um, But what I did in the hospital, I used it as my training ground because I began to hear um, spirit guides or beings that um, would talk to me, and and one of them said to me that um, I needed to get busy at work because that was a great place for me to learn whatever I needed to learn. So I would walk into patients' rooms that I was not assigned to without reading their chart and view their energy in their body and what their organs were saying and how I interpreted the information, and then I would go out and read their physical chart, and I began to create a dictionary in my mind of what my interpretations meant and how they related to conventional medicine. Wow, you know, this is so fascinating, Marie. <laughs> well, but, you know, it's my life, so I, to me, it's just normal. Yes. Like, my kids always say, you look normal, Mom, for what you do. <laughs> so, so it's just, a, you know, a daily part of who I am. Yeah. Well, you talked about trusting, and I was curious also about the, uh, you know, your, was there an element of fear to just sort of just leave your position as a nurse, and, or was there just this amount of trust, and you just went for it? Well, I was, 
um, I finally came out to my um, then husband. I'm not married now, but I, I don't know how to say it, my ex-husband. Yes. <laughs> and um, and he was really supportive. Surprisingly, I mean, I was surprised that he was that supported, supportive. And um, he, some of his friends and their parents began to come see me. We, I bought a massage table. I took a a weekend Reiki workshop and became a master Reiki person, which I love. It's still my favorite modality. And um, so I I felt. I think more so than many other people that I've heard, you know, who began to open up their multisensory abilities, I actually felt really supported. And, and in fact, I eventually started a small practice at home and worked on call at the hospital to balance it out. And at one point, because um, things changed in my marriage radically, um, because I just became this very different person, and uh, my marriage ended, actually, right around the same time period that I began to do energy work. And... Um, I was actually ordered by the courts to go back to work full-time so I could support our three daughters and pay the mortgage because my practice was growing, but it was growing. You know, it was still rather small. And one of my clients um, was an osteopathic physician, and she was scheduling to make an appointment, and I told her that I didn't know when I'd be able to see her next because I was having to go back to work full-time. And she actually um, invited me to use space in her clinic. So I took a leave of absence from the hospital and I never returned, and that was um, um, almost 12 years ago. Wow. (laughs) I was very lucky, so I left the hospital and began working in her clinic, and she began referring all of her patients to me. (laughs) And Mm. I worked in her office for a year, and then um, I moved my practice back home where I still work today, so I work full-time in my family home. I just love being in my own energy where I don't have to be concerned with, you know, the energy of other practitioners or other people's patients, because I like to have the energy a certain way, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, um, where it feels very peace and calm for me, and, and where I don't have to try to make an environment peaceful and calm mm-hmm. for me, less busy. Right. Um, so that's how it happened for me. I was actually going to ask you about if there had been a time where you had to do, you know, your own... Uh, healing work for yourself and it sounds like you did it around the time that you parted from your partner your husband yeah i would had some chronic health issues um definitely more autoimmune um you know intestinal problems and digestive issues and overgrowth of candida in my body and things like that and i've been trying prior to me awakening if you will in this part of my awareness um I had seen, you know, conventional and holistic doctors, and uh, it, I, it really came down to me. A naturopath said to me one day that um, that I really needed to examine my feelings of self-love and was I truly happy. And right before I began to see energy, I'd asked myself several questions. You know, was I happy? Was I in love with my husband? And the, uh, another big question: Why was an oncology nurse? And um, I really could not get an answer to any of those questions. I had no idea what the answer was and that was shocking to me Mm, i mm -hmm. was so detached from my own self that i didn't have a basic understanding of the choices that i had made in my life right and i think that's what began um you know this um change in who i am and and what i need in my life right okay well thank you i'm just going to take a musical break And uh, since you like Theta Phoenix, I think I'll play her again. (laughs) 
And uh, this track is called Flame, and you're listening to Drishti Point on Co-op Radio, 102.7 FM, CFRO. And my guest today is Marie Manacheri, and her site is energyintuitive.com. Welcome back to Drishti Point on Co-op Radio 102.7 FM, CFRO. And that uh, track was Flame by Theta Phoenix on her CD called Suspended. We're going to continue um, our conversation with uh, Marie Manucheri. And uh, Marie, um, we ended off by uh, talking about um, having healing, you know, for yourself and what that process was like for you. What did you learn from the, that process um, as you began to heal your own path? Well, um, and I think that everybody heals themselves, even as a healer. Okay. I believe my job is you know, just to facilitate that process, but I believe that everyone heals themselves. 
um, it was hard. You know, it's not easy to stop old patterns, to change belief systems. To, there's, I think there's a lot of grief that occurs when we shift our consciousness and our awareness. So it's very challenging. I, I realized, too, at that same time, like, I've always been able to feel the feelings of others, as many people can, many empathic people can. Yet I had negated my own emotions. I was basically numb to them in many regards. And uh, so I had to become more assertive. I had to set boundaries. I had to say no. I mean, all these things that I had not done, you know, um, for a big portion of my life. And uh, so it was hard. It was very hard. Mm. What do you think about, um, because you said earlier about plan, and it wasn't in your plan, and how much control we have in our lives. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's lovely. I really do believe in free will. I do. I think that it is a very important rule that exists throughout all the universes. Um, but when I began to, before I started having these awakenings, or whatever you want to call them, um, I began to start to lose my passion for nursing, which shocked me, which totally surprised me. And um, I would pray every morning before I went to work in the morning that, um, that I would do whatever it takes to discover my passion. Mm. So, yeah, and I meant it when I said it. Because you know, sometimes it's hard to say those prayers. We think of, oh, my gosh, well, well, well something bad happened to one of my kids, you know. Or we, we, ha- we have this weird feeling that if we make such a strong statement that something's going to be taken away from us. Um, or that we have to go live in a monastery in Tibet, which actually sounds fun sometimes, actually, to be in peace and quiet and around tranquility. Um, but I, I really believe we're in a place in in our human reality where we can be spiritual while we're sitting on the toilet. You know, that we don't really <laughs> That, you know, we're meant to live a mainstream life, but yet be spiritual beings, if that's truly what feeds our soul and um, that we don't have to wait until we're on vacation on a, an exotic island and not picking up our cell phone to um, reach those spiritual moments that um, we can do them anywhere and at any time. Hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about divine order? Yeah, um, I, I, I think there... Yeah, it's a complicated question, especially when you believe in free will. But, yeah, I think there is a, a divine order in, in the sense, like, if I had never asked that question, maybe, or made that prayer, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, perhaps I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's, yeah. So I do think there is a destiny and a plan and purpose for everyone. And one, to me, purpose is something that's incredibly fulfilling, um, you know, more fulfilling than I think most people realize because it's, it's an innate and natural part of you. I think that when each being emerged into existence, which probably looked more like light than what you and I experience today on Earth, I, I believe that there's something also incredibly unique about each being and magical. Mm. And so when you align to your purpose, whatever that is for each individual, it's like a coming home. And I, I think that's a part of divine order. I think that's why so many people today are wondering what are they supposed to do with their lives? Who are they? Um, they hope they have talents, but I believe everyone is incredibly talented. Uh, when you say purpose, are we talking about career or just a real general overall, like all areas of our lives? Yeah, I think it's different for everyone. Okay. Um, you know, my Saturn's in Capricorn, which means 
basically I'm a workaholic, so my purpose is going to have to be somewhere aligned in my work because I love to work. Um, so I think it's different for everyone. I think some people may have perhaps um, some way of creating abundance because I think it's normal to be abundant in one's life too. As long, I also believe it's normal to be healthy and joyful and loved and loving. And I think humans are really good at knowing how to not be those things and survive. But I also think that we're meant to thrive. So I think it's different for some people. It could be their hobby, you know, that they have a very part-time job that they enjoy, but they get to spend the majority of their hours in hobby. Some people may choose not to work and somehow find ways or ways will just magically come to them where they um, somehow their purpose is more of service. Mm-hmm. With an income involved. I think it's very individual. Right. So we, I guess, Marie, uh, we need to find out what's in our Saturn. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I, I think that Saturn has, you know, I, I don't know enough about astrology. <laughs> I just know that my purpose would have to be connected to my work because I'll be working probably, I probably will never retire. I'm just one of those individuals. Yeah, well, I mean, I can see how you wouldn't. You know, I mean, it really, it is a service in what you do. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Thank you. Well, and I also learned early to uh-huh. pick a job that I loved, and that's why I was so happy when I first took my, my, my very first microbiology class, and I could have stared into the microscope all day long looking at bacteria, you know, that I'm like, okay, I'm on the right path. And, and the first time I remember walking to, into a hospital as an adult, um, I felt overjoyed, and it felt very comfortable to me. So I think many times for people, myself and others, when you discover your life purpose, it's probably not something that was on your radar. Hmm. It's, pro- it's probably something that, it, you know, that you maybe weren't introduced to or you believe that you're not capable of doing, but if it brings joy and inspires you and uplifts you in some way, then I think it's something worth looking into. Okay. Um, What's your take on this in the sense that when, you know, people are in a place of darkness or they're committing crime or all that, because, you know, you do talk about life's purpose and there's a destiny and a plan. So how does that, um, you know, happen? Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot of people tend to forget that we live in one of the lowest time-space realities in the entire universe. Mm. Okay. So, you know, we live in one of the most least conscious um, areas around. And and so I'm always surprised how people want all these things to disappear. And, of course, I I would love for the earth plane to be peaceful and and famine to disappear and crime and all of those things. Sure, absolutely I would. But I think that as we expand our awareness and we learn to look at everything through creation's eyes, we recognize that there's this incredible master plan that the petri dish of earth is meant to exist that most humans choose to learn unconsciously you know most humans don't look back and go well if i make this decision this and this could happen mm-hmm. or how am i feeling when i make this decision um, and so we tend to have to learn through contrast through challenges and difficulties through we learn how to feel empowered by feeling horribly unempowered and not liking that experience and then choosing to have a different experience so I, I think what would be a value for humans, and this may not be popular, um, is to learn to appreciate the way things are moving, you know, on the earth plane. I mean, truly, when we think about it, we're less violent than we ever have been, and we live closer together than we ever have before. 
So things have improved. We may be kind of slow in our growth of consciousness, but the earth plane is meant to be this way, for now, at any rate. Um, at least that's what I believe. Right. How, um, how do you think we compare with the other universes? Well, when I look at and talk to beings who don't live in our time-space reality, they only speak kindly. They don't go, oh, my God, you guys are really a disaster. <laughs> you know, they, they talk about how beautiful we are, and isn't it interesting how we learn? When I think of the way creation looks at the Earth, if we were to compare it to other time-space realities, we're just as beautiful as a, a time-space reality where the word war or um, hatred doesn't even exist. Because there are many more time-space realities like that than, than I think, ones that are similar to the Earth plane. So I think a part of changing our, our reality and our perception is learning to see its beauty in, in whatever form it shows us. And I, I think that's challenging for a lot of human beings. I have a hard time finding the beauty. And, of course, even in my own personal, personal life, I have a hard time. I have to work at it when something in my life isn't glowing in the way I want it to. I have to learn to surrender and get out of the way and allow it to be whatever it is and not work so hard to make something um, different. Hmm. Uh, are you of the belief then that we call in various experiences in our lives? I do think that we, we make choices before we come here. I do think that we, first of all, choose um, our gender, what part of the world we would like to live in, um, who our parents would be, and particularly personality types, because we forget about our previous lifetimes, and yet we're here working on our previous lifetimes and the wounds and the pains that have occurred previously. And so we need to be reminded of what those wounds are. So many times it's the family of origin that pushes our buttons and reminds us, um, without knowing what the past life <laughs> was in most cases, that what we need to work on. So I do think there is a plan. Again, everyone has free will. Parents can change their mind on who they marry. So we may have to do some last-minute configurating before we move into a womb. Um, but, um, yes, I, I believe that also reincarnation is also free will, that we can live in any time space reality we wish. But Earth is a very popular destination because there's a lot that can be accomplished in a very short period of time. And even though... 80 or 90 years seems like a long time to you and I at, at moments. Um, in comparison to the time in other realities, it's very short, like maybe 20, 25 years. Hmm. What would you say to someone who is really skeptical about this idea that we reincarnate? Like, how do some people? How are some people really quite skeptical of that? Because they've obviously chosen. If it, if, it, if the idea of reincarnation is true, um, they've reincarnated here, you know, to Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess part of my—I I don't believe my job is to convince people of what I believe in. I, I think that people need to make their own decisions and have their own belief system, even if that means I don't believe in reincarnation. I do think it's popular enough on Earth now, though, that it has entered into the mindset of of most beings. And even if it's something that they haven't um, accepted, and not that necessarily they have to either, Mm -hmm. um, that uh, I think that it's something that many people are curious about, and they're curious about the idea of previous lifetimes and why we may have fears or things that, that make no sense to us, why we're stuck in certain aspects of our life, 
when there doesn't seem to be a rational um, answer for it. The beauty about reincarnation, I think, is that whatever you're working on in this life is going to be directly connected to previous lifetimes. And so all you have to do is focus on the present and, and being in your body. Mm. On then um, theme that we're all working on. <laughs> yes. And, and when we can be present to what's going on in our lives and soothe and nurture and love our soul and forgive our being and learn to find the beauty in all things, then um, I think that helps us heal our past as well. Mm. Um, let's talk about, we've spoken briefly a little bit about birth. What about the flip side to that? Um, you know, uh, the dying process and, um, you know, can we die consciously? I hope so. Well, you know, it's actually one of my favorite. Um, I love to be at the bedside of people leaving their bodies. In fact, it's still something I do in my work um, pro bono. So, you know, people may call me. I may even go sit at the bedside of a complete stranger <laughs> if I have time in my schedule, of course. Um, it's probably one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had mm. to watch a being transition over a period of time, whether I'm there at the moment or weeks before, you know, because uh, I think transition, um, it's, it's like an incubation period, like when we're, you know, a fetus is growing in the womb and there's a process to leaving one's body. And yes, I agree that our consciousness is similar to the mass consciousness on the planet that we, we don't know yet how to let go of our, our bodies without killing them first. And I believe that every form of death is a form of suicide of some sort. And I, I don't necessarily mean consciously, but I do believe that we pick the perfect time to leave our body. I believe we create like five escape routes to our um, blueprint. I always see a blueprint before a person enters into a body, and there's you know, escape routes throughout their blueprint of you know, this main path that's a branch in the blueprint of where they would love to be on their path and then all this collateral circulation off of the main path because of the choices we make or the choices we don't make. And um, there are multiple little exits that if we decide that we no longer want to be here, we can go home. But I do look forward to the day. I hope it's in my lifetime. I don't think it will be, but I look forward to the day when we can walk out of our bodies and just walk into the next dimension and not have to injure our physical form in order to leave it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, okay. I'm, I'm like, ah, <laughs> mouth open. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I read a series of books. I hope I, I say the title correctly. When I was about 12 years old, the author is Spalding, so I remember that part, and I believe the title is the Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East. And, and it is all about this notion, and it felt very real and authentic to me as a young teenager, and I've read the books many times over the years, and I, I believe that there are probably even um, a small percentage of beings whose consciousness is so elevated that they could um, walk out of their body where they have, um, but I think it's a very small percentage. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> look on that note. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take another musical break, and this is with our uh, Vancouver uh, yogi. His name is Will Blunderfield, and this is a version of um, Alleluia.
David played and pleased the Lord But you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this The fourth, the fifth, the minor fall And the major lift The baffled king composing Hallelujah 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 Strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty in the moonlight overthrew you. She tied you to a kitchen chair. She broke your throne and cut your hair. And from your lips, she was Alleluia by Will Blunderfield. You can uh, log on to Will's site for that, uh, for his CD, willblunderfield.com if you're interested. And you're listening to Drishti Point on Co-op Radio 102.7 FM CFRO. I'm Lauren Spaniolo. And today uh, my guest um, has been uh, Marie Manucheri and her site is energyintuitive.com. And um, she just left me with my mouth hanging open with that, with this idea of walking out of our body one day. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, I mean, obviously we can have many forms of conscious dying. I think it, it's very helpful for us in our lifetimes to come and also in processing and, you know, uh, intertwining the experience of having a human experience um, when we're on the other side or some other time-space reality. I think that it's um, very helpful to be as conscious as possible when we leave our bodies. But yeah, to walk out would be certainly a, a great conscious state. <laughs> so, Marie, if I asked you if you believed in God, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do. What is that? What? What? Who? He? She? <laughs> yeah, it's energy for me. Energy. Mm-hmm. Not every. You know, I, 
believe that creation, God, source, spirit, um, is energy. So an orchid plant can certainly look like God to me or a cat or, you know, one of my children's profiles. So I think it's everything. You know, I think everything in the universe is creation and everything is energy. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. You're <laughs> Um... You're a clairvoyant, clairsentient, clairaudient. What are the differences between those? Um, a clairaudient can hear outside of the third dimensional space, or one way to look at it is to have just more clear hearing so that you're listening to what's happening in the third dimensional world, but you're also getting um, words or um, sounds in your physical experience that go beyond the physical reality. The same with seeing. It's to see clearly or beyond third-dimensional space or deeper within the third-dimensional space. Mm-hmm. There's sentient means to feel um, in, in those ways. Right. Now, have you ever um, worked with um, the your roots, your family roots? You mean in terms of like family constellation, things like that? Or? Um, no, just in terms of as, um, as using them as guides while you're giving your healing? I work. I make sure that I'm grounded and in my body and pulling up earth energy. I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, too. I kind of look at family of origin probably different than many people. Um, I I don't necessarily believe that our family of origin um, is our soul pod. From from you know maybe it is for some people. I like to think that for my children that we're all from the same soul pod. Um, I don't know if they actually feel that way or not, um, but. I think that getting to Earth is a priority and having to be um, aware of what you need to work on is also a priority. But having deep and bonding relationships with our family of origin isn't necessarily a priority unless it brings a lot of joy and um, comfort, I mean, real comfort and joy to a person. I think for a lot of people it doesn't create that. Mm-hmm. So how do we, though, f- what's the middle ground there in terms of us choosing our parents, right? Choosing the country, origin, all the rest of it with what you're saying. Well, I think to appreciate that someone has been a vehicle or two people have uh-huh. been a vehicle for someone to get to Earth. And, of course, for those people who have, you know, outstanding relationships with their family that are truly fulfilling and um, unconditional loving, that's amazing. That's what we all would like. But I've, you know, when I listen to the spiritual realm, especially when I'm talking to people about their root chakra and about feeling comfortable in their body and comfortable on the earth plane, um, many times the notion of trying to make everything perfect within their family, it's exhausting for people. They spend decades, you know, working really hard at creating relationships with individuals who don't vibrate with them or don't have the same consciousness, who maybe that's not really their role to... um, you know, to provide that type of nurturing. Maybe their role was just for them to be here and to ignite some experiences. So appreciating and valuing, but maybe not taking it so literally, this notion of family that humans seem to be so completely wrapped up in and reassaulted, it seems like, not just during the holidays, but throughout their lifetime, trying to make something work that maybe wasn't intended to work in the way they thought. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you for that. Yes. (laughs) Um, Your first book that's coming out, Intuitive Self-Healing, 
and then you have a six CD series, How to Communicate with Your Guide. So tell me uh, something a little bit about this project and where the inspiration, who it's for, all that stuff. Yeah, um, well, you know, I just, I love human beings. It's one of those weird things. I, I thought perhaps I just loved culture and music and food as I grew up in a lot of diverse communities as a young person. But um, the first, you know, walking into a hospital and seeing people without limbs or hair or having surgical scars or whatnot, I just, I realized at that point that I just, I love humanity. I have a great love for the human race. Mm. So really that's who I write for and who I create things for um, is all of us. <laughs> um, but um, the book was inspired by clients of mine over the years. They've asked me to write um, a book on energy medicine and healing. And I didn't think of myself as a very good writer for quite a long time. So I had to work on my self-confidence, although I wrote for years. I would just write and write and write almost daily. And um, after a while, I had an editor look at my work and um, she helped me do some rewriting of what I had written. And then, of course, I was fortunate to get an agent and Sounds True, which is my favorite publishing company. They're just a lovely group of people to work with. So I really write for, um, for consciousness and for the expansion of awareness. Mm. So if there's, um, and by the way, congratulations on that. I think that's just. Thank you. Yeah. Complete victorious. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. They've been a wonderful company to work with, too. They really care about their authors, and they want their authors to be happy with the finished product. Uh-huh. And so you, you're really consulted on everything from the cover, the design cover, to the title, to um, everything. And they have a very fascinating... I'm going to be interviewing Tammy Simon, actually. October 6th, right? Thank you. I know. I, I was like jumping up and down when I saw that one. <laughs> I, it was a pleasure meeting her. She has amazing energy. So I'm, I'm so happy that she's going to come on to the show and let me interview her. Does she not? You should sit with her at some point, I'm telling you. Oh, her energy is amazing. I, I did sit with her. She actually interviewed me while I was in Boulder working, recording the Six CD series. And, and I met her immediately. And so I was you know, able to spend more than an hour with her, which was lovely. Um, yeah, her her energy is phenomenal. It's very large. <laughs> yes, she's incredibly kind and conscious. I mean, she just looks at you right in the eye, and she doesn't stop looking. It's it's wonderful to be in her presence. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to interviewing her. But they do something very different, and I'm going to talk about this in the interview. I've made my own CDs. I made three of my own, and of course, I made a script, like 30 pages for 90 minutes. But it sounds true. You're not allowed to have a script. They want your essence to be recorded so you can bring notes in. And I had to record six CDs, and um, I was very nervous. <laughs> but they have an incredibly professional staff that's worked with thousands of people over the years, um, many authors, and uh, they, of course, know exactly what they're doing. And they, when they're working with an author, they find out what, you, what your greatest gift is in the recording studio and, and what time of the day you best work. And... You know, what's the best water for you and what time do you need a lunch break? And so they're really good at watching your energy and um, inspiring you to do your best work. So they're just phenomenal. Wow. Well, you've just given a boost to sounds true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're great. <laughs> uh, let's use Tammy Simon as uh, who's the, you know, the founder and publisher of Sounds True. And uh, she just happens to be my, my meditation teacher, one of my Oh, medita- my gosh. So you actually know her. 
I yeah, I kind of do. Wow. I, I interviewed yeah, her. That's what I mean by sitting. If you ever sit, have the opportunity to sit and meditate with her. So I'm curious, even from your standpoint, it's like, how did she get there? Like she's just so <laughs> incredible. Ah, uh, yeah, she's probably for their meditation. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, she's amazing. Yeah. So uh, Marie, if you can impart anything you know, to our listeners about their healing journey, about the chakra system or, you know, and your services, you know, please, the floor is yours. Oh, okay. Well, um, as you know, I have a practice. I see people one-on-one in my home Monday through Thursday in Seattle. I do distance work, so that's why I'm able to work with people around the world. Um, so I do things over the phone. I also mentor people in the field of energy medicine. So I'm currently taking applications until October 1st. You can go to my website and find out how to do that. So I mentor people actually in my home, um, a first-year program and a second-year program. And I teach um, about 25 times um, during the year as well um, on various topics from mediumship, because I'm also a medium, to spirit guides, to energy medicine. Um, I also teach Reiki workshops. So, And then I um, host, um, like you do, although I love your voice. <laughs> I'll take your voice any day. Um, I host a radio show biweekly in the Seattle area that's also online, too. Um, but I, I think the most important thing, when we look at the energy system, the solar plexus, which governs, you know, organs like the liver and the kidneys, the, not the kidneys, I take it back, the liver, the pancreas, the gallbladder, the spleen, the stomach, and the small intestinal tract, which in holistic medicine, the intestines are 80% of the immune system. And that same chakra also governs all the endocrine organs in the body as well. And so it's really about the immune system emotionally, that particular chakra, the third one, is about self-love. So probably the greatest gift we could give ourselves and all of humanity and to also nurture our immune system is to really, really love ourselves and not from a thought but an actual feeling of um, an endearment of our own being, of appreciating everything we've done in the past and everything we're doing in the moment and um, to have fun with ourselves and, and love, just really genuinely love who we are. Hmm. And in closing, where would you say Marie Manucheri is today? In, in self-love? Yeah. Yeah, well, I definitely work at it. <laughs> I mean, I blow myself kisses in the mirror. I wink at myself. <laughs> I try to find, you know, endearing, funny ways to engage with myself. My daughters are incredible role models for me because I adore and love them so much. So I, I use that as a barometer for me. Okay, I love my kids this much. Where is my self-loving comparison? Mm. And I regularly ask myself, what's the most loving thing I could do for me today? So I definitely work on it every day. Okay. Well, thank you so much for um, sharing yourself and, uh, you know, and for offering yourself to, as a healer, to humanity. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Very Thank you for interviewing me. You were very good. I loved your questions. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, first time where I'm not, you know, doing readings because I always do readings, and so it was really nice not to um, go back and forth. So thank you so much. Okay, it was my pleasure. So if you're interested in, um, you know, if you're curious about this work, uh, Marie is a very gifted healer. So her site is energyintuitive.com, and it's Marie Manucheri. And um, thank you f- 
as usual for listening to us today on Drishti Point. If you have any questions about today's show, please contact us. We're, uh, you can uh, send us an email on our website as well as uh, Facebook just by sending us a note and we can connect you with Marie or any of our past guests. And um, so Marie's, um, you know, book and uh, CDs are available in the spring of 2012 at Sounds True and that's soundstrue.com. Um, if you're interested. And uh, so I'm just going to end off today with another Canadian artist. His name is Wade Imra Morissette, who I just love. And I'm going to uh, just play his first track called Together on Strong as Diamond CD. And uh, it's been my pleasure to to host the program this uh, this afternoon. And uh, I hope that uh, your day was special and uh, that um, all things are well in your life. Have a beautiful evening. Namaste, Co-op Radio 102.7 FM, CFRO. Thanks again for listening. Let us progress and triumph Let us gain energy and momentum Lead us to clarity Feeling of unity Let there be peace, peace, peace and
gain energy and momentum, lead us to clarity.